Welcome to First Mover, presented by Underdog Fantasy. I'm Josh Larkey, the Director of Analytics at PlayerProfiler.com and Roto Underworld, and you can find me on Twitter at JLarkeyTweets, J-L-A-R-K-Y Tweets. I'm also on TikTok, not very big on TikTok yet, but we are growing slowly. We're trying at JLarkeyTikToks. Now, I got a question in the in the chat on StreamYard, since we're live right now. And it was just about, like, how, I ex- how to explain concepts that are kind of complicated statistically to people that might not either be as interested in stats or have as much just stats background knowledge. And I had a Twitter post earlier today, currently recording an hour and a half before the two Tuesday night football games kick off. And this Twitter post was basically just... I, people, a lot of people out there, they're dunking on the analytics community like, oh, 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 you thought you were going to go for it on fourth and goal. <laughs> it's the backup quarterback. <laughs> like, oh, fi- failed two-point conversion. <laughs> so I, I think that a, a good metaphor that I used was the peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Let's say that uh, someone gives you, someone puts some magic peanut butter into a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and they say, hey. If you eat this peanut butter, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich before every NFL game, your team is going to win 60% of the time. And if you do not choose to eat this peanut butter and jelly sandwich with magic in it, your team's only going to win 40% of the time. So, I mean, obviously you would eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, right? I mean, 60% of the time that you eat it before the game, you win. 40% of the time when you don't eat it, you lose. Clearly, Eat that damn peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But now let's say, as always, you eat your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're not an idiot. Of course you're going to eat the sandwich. But let us say that it's the fourth NFL game of the season. You, you're you 3-0 and you ate your peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You're feeling good and your team loses. And then everyone blames you. They said, Josh, you idiot. Why did you eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich? We lost. You can never eat that again. That, I think, is actually a kind of a good analog to these analytical decisions where people think analytics is some weird, far-out concept. They don't under- don't understand it, but they go, we are going to blame analytics because you went for it on fourth and goal and didn't convert. Or you went for a two-point conversion and you didn't get it. Analytics was wrong. Even though analytics isn't saying that it's always going to work. That's not analytics. Analytics is just giving you the probabilities. Which is why with the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, there's always a 60% chance of victory if you eat the peanut butter and jelly sandwich beforehand. Just like whether or not you're converting, if it's fourth and goal and you're down two touchdowns, doesn't matter if you get it or not. If you score the touchdown, you should be going for it. The win probabilities, all the numbers will say, hey, you're already going to lose this game most likely. What is the three points going to do for you? Probably nothing. You might as well go for that touchdown. So... That is how I always recommend that people try and attack statistical concepts is explain them in really simple terms. This one's a little bit more morbid. My girlfriend said I shouldn't give this example ever. I'm going to give it anyway. The seatbelt example. Seatbelts generally save lives. If you get in a car crash and you're wearing a seatbelt, you're more likely to survive. But say that you knew someone who was wearing a seatbelt and they did not survive a car crash. Does that mean that seatbelts don't work and you should not wear seatbelts anymore? No, of course not. You can still wear a seatbelt. It just means that, yes, it's not, I mean, 
It's not going to 100% protect you, but it's most likely going to. That's the, I think that's another example you can give where, yes, uh, you didn't convert on fourth and goal. Analytics sucks. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you knew someone who got in a car crash wearing a seatbelt and didn't survive. That's okay. You should still wear a seatbelt. So I think here, those are a couple examples. I always try and think of something where everyone universally understands it. It's super, super obvious what the correct answer is for the, the common public. That's generally how I attack my examples when trying to relate things to the football analytics community. Now, let's talk about underdog fantasy before we get into this show. We've got a good show. The intro for this show is actually going to be how random was week 15? Was it historically random? A lot of you have been complaining. Oh, my fantasy team this, my fantasy team that. We'll see what the data says. But first, Underdog Fantasy sponsors this show. Promo code Underworld. If for some reason you haven't signed up yet and you want to sign up for Underdog Fantasy promo code Underworld, up to a $100, 100% deposit match. Put in $50 as a new user with promo code Underworld. Next thing you know, there's 100 in your account. Put in $100 as a new user. Wow, now you have 200 in your account. Promo code Underworld. They have two best ball tournaments going on right now. I've been in them. They're pretty awesome. Two different price points. So if you're low stakes, high stakes, we got you. Underdog Fantasy. The Gauntlet is $25 entry. The Mitten is $5 entry. They are NFL playoff best ball tournaments. So not the fantasy playoffs, the NFL playoffs. It's 10 rounds, six teams in your draft. And you're basically just trying to draft players that you think will score the most points in the four rounds of the NFL playoffs. I've been doing it. It's tons of fun. I try and start off with a, a total juggernaut where we know they're going to go deep in the playoffs, like a Tampa Bay or a Rams, Chiefs, those types of teams, the real juggernauts, the Packers. And then after I fill out a few of their players, I get the quarterback, the receiver, maybe the running back. In the later rounds of the draft, I try and stack up a second team. And my favorite second team to stack up is every Raven goes late. They're almost guaranteed to make the playoffs based on the probability. So feels like a pretty safe team to make the playoffs. You can get Lamar, Andrews, Hollywood. You can get all these guys, Bateman, basically in the final few rounds. So grab a juggernaut and then stack up some Ravens. Feels like a pretty winning formula to me. Probably plus EV entries. Also, make sure you check out the DFS Dominator package on playerprofiler.com. If you noticed for week 15, Christian Kirk and Amon Ross St. Brown, the little skinny correlation. Those two guys showed up in a ton of the optimal lineups and they both crushed it. I don't really know any other optimizer that was just pounding the table for these Amon Ross Christian Kirk skinny stacks. Why weren't more people playing Amon Ross St. Brown? I was telling you. No Swift, no Hawkinson. Who is Jared Goff going to throw to? Who's a safety blanket? It's Amon Ra. 12, 12, 11 targets in the past three games. All right, promotion's over. We're going to get to the good stuff because right now you're listening and you're like, Josh, please tell me, am I right to be angry, angry at the fantasy gods? Am I correct in doing this? Because my goodness, week 15 was random as shit, wasn't it? Or was it? Don't worry. I crunched the numbers for you. So let's talk about it. Basically, what I was trying to figure out is, so week 15, this was, for most people, the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Most fantasy football leagues, the three rounds of the playoffs this year are weeks 15, 16, 17. 
And for prior years, it was generally weeks 14, 15, and 16. Remember, there's an extra game this year. So week one of the fantasy playoffs this year was week 15. Week one of the fantasy playoffs in prior seasons was week 14. I adjusted for this. I accounted for it. We're basically looking round one of the fantasy playoffs was this crazy. So initially, we can just look at top 12 players at quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. Essentially, I looked from the year 2000 to the year 2020. That is 21 years of data. And I looked just who had the most fantasy points at the position at quarterback, running back, receiver, and tight end. I want the top 12 cumulative points. I didn't do points per game. I basically just did cumulative points with the the general assumption that the guys scoring the most fantasy points at the start of the season are hopefully the guys that A, got you to the fantasy playoffs and B, were able to produce in the fantasy playoffs. So I looked at the top 10 cumulative fantasy point performers at quarterback, running back, receiver, tight end from 2000 to 2020 for weeks one through 13. Because remember, before this year, week 14 was the start of the fantasy playoffs. And that's what we're looking at is week one of the fantasy playoffs. What the hell was going on? So at quarterback, on average, about 5.7 of the top 12 quarterbacks from weeks one through 13 also were a top 12 quarterback in week 14 at the start of the fantasy playoffs. 5.7 on average, which is about uh, every other quarterback. So about half of quarterbacks that were top 12 during the regular season were also a top 12 performer week one of the fantasy playoffs. This is the past 21 years. This year, I mean, yes, we have two games tonight. Things could change. But right now this year, we do not have 5.7. We have four. That is a lot less. You might be able to get angry. Running back, on average, about five out of the 12 top 12 running backs were also top 12 performers in week uh, one of the fantasy playoffs. Five on average. This year, it was Oh, it was five as well. Okay. So far, that that's not too crazy. Don't worry, we're going to go a little deeper, but so far, not too crazy. All right, all right. Receiver. On average, four of the top 12 receivers during the regular season were also top 12 the first week of the fantasy playoffs. Four. This year, so far, we have three. But I mean, hey, Cooper Cup plays in an hour. He's probably going to join the list. So, so far, we're okay. All right, all right. It's a little strange, maybe, but not a, too crazy of a year. So far, tight end on average about 5.3. So between five and six of the top 12 tight ends are also top 12 at the start of the fantasy playoffs for that week. This year, wow, the tight ends were consistent. Seven of the top 12 performing tight ends so far for week 15 were also a top 12 performer from weeks one through 14. That's pretty good. Wow, tight end consistent. But now... This is where it's about to get a little less consistent. Why don't we expand the top 12 to top 24? So we're looking at the top 24 performers from weeks 1 through 13 from 2000 to 2020. So I want the top 24 QBs, running backs, receivers, tight ends. How did they do in week 14, the start of the fantasy playoffs? That's a little bit more interesting. Top 24, right? Because ultimately, like, there's only, there's not that many top 12 players. So let's expand the sample. Top 24. On average, 16.7 out of the 24 quarterbacks that were top 24 during the regular season, 16.7 out of 24 also had a top 24 performance in 
Week one of the fantasy playoffs, 16.7. This year, we're only at 14 so far. That's a little lower. A guy like uh, Stafford, probably going to hit it. Hurts, probably going to hit it. So hopefully we get a couple names. But right now, with 14 quarterbacks, that is the minimum. There's never been fewer than 14 quarterbacks out of the top 24 to also be top 24 for this week. We're only at 14. So it's it's on the low side. Okay. But we should add Stafford. I assume Russ is... Actually, I don't know. Russ, maybe he's a top 24 quarterback, but definitely Stafford and Hurts at minimum. They should be joining. So I think we'll be okay there. Running back. On average, 14 of the top 24 running backs in week one of the fantasy playoffs. 14 of the 24 were also top 24 during the regular season. 14 of 24. We don't have 14 right now. We have... We only have 10. That is not very many. Only 10 currently. We're going to need some heavy lifting from what? A a Darrell Henderson? (laughs) An Antonio Gibson? Those guys, they better get there. Because prior to this year, 11 was the fewest. 11 out of 24 running backs who were top 24 during the regular season that were also a top 24 performer at the start of the fantasy playoffs. We're in trouble. Running back, pretty random this year. Receiver, on average, we get... 14 of, or sorry, on average, we get 11 of them. So 11 of the top 24 receivers during the regular season are also top 24 at the start of the fantasy playoffs. 11 on average, we're at nine right now, but we we have a, a Cooper Cup. DK Metcalf is kind of right on the borderline. There's a few guys, uh, McLaurin, maybe, I don't know. We could get there, but it's a little on the low side. And then tight end, we're just, this is stud tight end season. Who would have thought tight ends would be consistent? On average, 14 of the top 24 tight ends are also top 24 in the fantasy playoffs at the start of it. Not 14 this year. We are at 16 already. That's pretty good. We still have Dallas Goddard who's going to play. He's probably also going to sneak in there. We are killing it with the tight ends. Here, I think, is the most interesting part of this analysis, though. Let's look at the top 12 players at QB, running back, receiver, tight end during the regular season and then how they did at the start of the fantasy playoffs in terms of their points per game. So quarterback, on average, the top, a top 12 quarterback was getting you 18.1 fantasy points a game historically from 2000 to 2020 or to to 2020. 18.1 fantasy points on average. On average, they got you. And this is giving zeros to anyone who didn't show up as a top 12 quarterback for uh, the first week of the fantasy playoffs. 10.6. Big drop. We're also excluding some quarterbacks. In 2021, they averaged 20 fantasy points a game. We're at 12.4 right now. You don't need to worry about that that much. Very similar. Uh, Receiver, it's actually, I'm not going to bog you down with too many more numbers. Receiver, it's pretty close in terms of their fantasy points per game during the regular season to week one of the playoffs. It's pretty similar. Similar uh, percent drop off on average. We're good there. Tight end, as you might have guessed, we killed it. The tight ends this year are just crushing. The average top 12 tight end was giving you over 13 fantasy points in the fantasy playoffs this past week, thanks to guys like Kelsey and Andrews. But running back, man, running back, we had some issues. The average top 12 running back in 2021 during the regular season averaged Fewer fantasy points per game than a top 12 running back historically the past 21 years. 18.8 points per game historically, 18 this year. But, so very similar, 18.8 to 18, very similar. 
Round one of the fantasy playoffs, this top 12 running back historically was getting you 11 and a half fantasy points. This year, way below that, nine and a half. My goodness, running back cratered in the playoffs this year. If we expand this to top 24, we will see. And I, I think I'm just going to post a Twitter thread about this at tweets. so that'll come out soon. That way you can really see all these numbers more in depth, since I know some of you probably want to look at them. So for quarterback, essentially the, the roof caved in this week. Oof, it's bad. Also, what I can do is when I post this on Twitter, I'll update for these two Tuesday night games. That way we'll get even more accurate data. But basically, quarterback cratered receiver. Uh, similar, a little worse this year, but similar in terms of fantasy points per game. Tight end way better than usual. And then running back. Didn't just crater, the roof caved in. My goodness. If we look at the top 24 running backs during the regular season this year, they were averaging about 15 fantasy points a game. That, that's okay. That's pretty good. 15 fantasy points a game. Those guys, if we look at the top 24 for week one of the fantasy playoffs, just giving a zero to anyone who just wasn't healthy and couldn't show up for the fantasy playoffs, we dropped from 15 to eight fantasy points a game. Think about all the busts. We had Najee Harris. I mean, the list just went on and on of running backs that we thought were going to kill it, like a Miles Gaskin did nothing. Duke Johnson took all those carries. It was really just miss after miss. Cordero Patterson didn't do very much. Like all the guys we were counting on, especially on the main DFS slate, were just bombing all over the place left and right. It was really just Jonathan Taylor carried fantasy teams this year at the running back position. It was hard to watch. Leonard Fournette was even respectable until he got injured. Ugh, disgusting. So I'm going to post these numbers, but to sum up this analysis, quarterback, more random than expected. Running back, way, way, way more random than expected compared to history. Receiver, similar, a little more random. And then tight end, way less random. So basically, we had three positions that were significantly more random. And then tight end was a little more predictable. So yes, if you have qualms with the, the week one of the fantasy playoffs this year, they are justified. It was gross. All right, chat, any questions? I'll give it a minute. I know, throwing a lot of numbers at the audience. That's my favorite. Is I just want to bombard you with numbers and let you sit there and take it. I'll have the Twitter thread at some point. That way you can see these numbers and that way it can become crystal clear for you to understand how random was uh, 2021 compared to past years for week one of the fantasy playoffs. I know at least with underdog best ball, man, I, I had a like... I think almost or about 100 teams across the various tournaments that were advancing in those tournaments, around 100 or something. I think 41% of them had Leonard Fournette. So even if those teams advance right now, they're dead next week. Uh, I think 20-something percent of my teams had DeAndre Swift. He didn't play this past week. They might be dead. Man, it's tough. But then I'm also like, you know what? Are those teams dead? I haven't looked yet, but I mean, it feels like everyone's teams are dead. In which case, maybe they're all safe. At a certain point, like everyone, some team has to advance in fantasy playoffs, best ball tournaments. It is a wild ride. All right, let's dive into week 16 for the DFS slate. We have 11 games on the list right now. So we'll see what goes on with COVID and whatnot. But currently we have 11 games. We have Detroit at Atlanta. 43 and a half game total. Atlanta's favored by three and a half right now. This one's very much in the air in terms of what's going to happen. Jared Goff tested positive for COVID 
on Sunday night after his winning performance over the Cardinals. We will see who the quarterback is, what goes on, if he can get out of protocols. DeAndre Swift is supposedly practicing this week again. We'll see what happens. A lot of moving parts there. Low game total, probably not a game I'm very interested in for DFS. Another game I'm not very interested in, Buffalo at New England. 44-point game total, New England favored by 2.5. I mean, we know what happened the last time when they played in Buffalo. This is the famous Mac Jones three pass attempts game. Yes, I think it's going to be a lot better uh, pass-wise than that game. It can't be much worse, but really low game total, 44. Two very defensively-minded, or like defense-heavy teams. Bills have a really good defense. Patriots have a good defense. The Patriots are not involved in a lot of high-scoring games. Overall, not a game I'm super interested in. Probably going to play some of these defenses in DFS, but not a lot of Allen or Mac Jones. Probably a little Allen, but uh, not that much. Next, we got the Chargers at the Texans. 46 and a half point game total. Pretty big. It's because the Chargers are favored by nine and a half. I think they're going to smoke the Texans. Every week is Justin Herbert week. I know the Texans' pass defense is pretty good, but Herbert is better. I would be playing some Justin Herbert in DFS. Hard to fade a guy with the current 2021 resume and 2020 rookie season of Justin Herbert. Fast-paced pass attack. He should have uh, all of his weapons healthy, I think. Eckler didn't practice early in this week. Someone reported he had COVID. It turns out, no, Eckler doesn't have COVID. I think it was a rest day since he played in week 15. So I believe everyone's going to be healthy right now for the most part for the Chargers skill players. Though I do believe their center, Corey Lindsley, will be out with COVID. Anyway, play some Herbert. Next, this is my favorite game of the week. It's going to be most people's favorite game of the week. Rams at the Vikings, currently seeing a 49 and a half point game total. The Vikings three point underdogs at home. So plus three. I mean, you've got the Rams, very good pass offense, good offense in general. The Vikings have really, really, really struggled against teams that pass and are good at passing against receivers. They just waved Bashad Breeland, one of their starting cornerbacks. Vikings have a terrible defense. I expect the Rams to put up a lot of points. And on the other end, yes, the Rams have a pretty good defense, but we've seen Cousins perform well in a lot of games this year. So good chance that Cousins does something. Jefferson Cook, it's going to be good, but definitely really heavily focused on some Stafford double stacks this week. Next, Buccaneers at Panthers, 44 and a half point game total. The Buccaneers, I'm looking, it seems like they're favored by 11 right now. Oof, 11 on the road. I know no Leonard Fournette, no Chris Godwin, no Mike Evans. They were even just shut out by the Saints. I don't care. Every week is double stacking Tom Brady week. We have just seen too many ceiling games from this offense overall, and it's very consolidated. So I do like that in terms of stacking, Antonio Brown is back. You basically have Antonio Brown and Gronk. There's your double stack with Brady. If Brady gets there, AB and Gronk probably get there as well. We're going to have Tyler Johnson as another potential double stack partner. Maybe Ronald Jones if he catches a few passes. Hold your nose and play some Ronald Jones this week with no Fournette. And then Brashad Perriman. I think uh, he might have COVID, might not. We'll see. I think he's in the protocol. But... I mean, at the very least, you have two great offensive options to pair with Brady in A, B, and Gronk. Not very interested in the Panthers side. You could play a little Cam, maybe naked, but I prefer 
all else equal to double stack. You don't need to get as many things right in your lineup if you have a quarterback and two receivers. Already, one-third of your DSFS lineup is filled out and correlated. That's what I prefer. Next, we have the Giants at the Eagles. No Daniel Jones. Looks like he's not going to play the rest of the season. I don't even know what's going on with Mike Glennon. Ugh, ugly. In uh, New York for the Giants, Sterling Shepard torn Achilles. My goodness. Eagles, uh, I think Jalen Hurts going to crush in this matchup. 42 and a half game total. The Eagles are favored. They're not a great team this year, but still they're favored by 10 at home because the Giants are so, so bad. Probably going to play some Jalen Hurts. He's priced well on both platforms. Next, we have, I think this is another pretty good game. Probably kind of an underrated matchup. Matt and I were talking earlier today, and I said, I believe that if there was an over to take, it's this game. Baltimore at Cincinnati. 44 and a half point game total. Cincinnati favored by two and a half. I'm not a betting man, but if I if I ever put a bet down, I would probably take the over on 44 and a half total points out of Baltimore and the Bengals. I like both quarterbacks in this one. Obviously, Joe Burrow against a depleted, absolutely depleted Baltimore secondary. I don't know anybody on the secondary. You probably don't either. It's all like their third, fourth, fifth option. My goodness. Burrow probably going to have a field day. Love that Burrow-Chase-Higgins double stack every week. And on Baltimore's end, I mean, we just saw Huntley put up, what, like 36 fantasy points against the Packers, who are a better defense than the Bengals. And if Lamar is back, great, you have Lamar. Either way, I think this is a good game where I believe both quarterbacks are playable in DFS. And it joins that that Rams-Vikings game. So far, we only have two games where I like both quarterbacks. We have only one more coming up. It's it's bleak again in these waters. We have the Jaguars at the Jets. 42-point game total. Jets favored two and a half. Nope, not interested. Going to laugh at all the people out there who are playing chalk LaVisca Chenault because Urban Meyer was gone. My goodness. The Jaguars' pass attack is terrible. They have one passing touchdown their past seven games. Do I expect them to be better against the Jets? Yes. I think they'll pass a little better, but... I just struggle to see the ceiling of this pass offense. I think you're better off just playing James Robinson against the Jets when Carlos Hyde is now on IR. He was put on it today. Next, this is the final game where I like both quarterbacks for DFS would be the Bears at the Seahawks. 43 point or 43 and a half point game total. Seahawks favored by a touchdown. And I I like this one. Fields is playing pretty well, at least for fantasy. Russ has, not that he's cooking, but at least he's putting up some some type of fantasy points. He should have Lockett back for this game, who's missing tonight due to COVID. So I think that's a good game to target on both ends. We've got Fields Mooney. We've got Russ with Lockett or Russ with Metcalf. There's some good stacks here. Two more kind of gross games. Denver at Vegas, man. Broncos Raiders, 42 and a half game total. Vegas favored by one and a half. Probably going to be the Drew Locke show with Teddy and concussion protocol. The Raiders are pretty much unwatchable at this point without Ruggs, without Waller. No more Kenyon Drake. Some O-line injuries. It's pretty bleak. Not very interested in that one. And then the last game, you might go, oh, Josh, you forgot. The, the last game is so exciting. Steelers at Chiefs. 46 and a half game total. Chiefs by 10. That's probably going to come down because uh, I don't know if you heard, but Travis Kelsey and... Tyreek Hill, both in the COVID protocols. My goodness. Who are you going to... What? 
with the players are dropping like flies. Steelers offense probably going to struggle against a very strong Chiefs defense. And I don't really want to know what Patrick Mahomes is like when he is very expensive in DFS and probably without his top two receivers with Kelsey and Hill. It's like 50% of the targets. Who are they going to go to? Pringle, Hardman, Josh Gordon, Demarcus Robinson. Uh, I don't know. It's not really a game I'm interested in unless both Kelsey and Hill can play. Now, if we move on to quarterback on DraftKings, 7,700 at the top is Patrick Mahomes versus Pittsburgh. Like I said, probably don't play him, assuming Kelsey and Hill are out. We've got Brady at 7,400 at Carolina. Tough matchup, but I do always like Brady. We got Herbert, 7,200 at Houston. Good one to play. Lamar and Huntley at Cincinnati. We've got Lamar at 6,900, Huntley at 6K. Very good price on both of them. And then I think uh, my favorite quarterback of the week on DraftKings based on price, Matthew Stafford is only 6,700 at the Vikings. I believe they're allowing the most fantasy points right now to quarterbacks on DraftKings on the season. If not the most, they're second, third most. Stafford only 6,700. I like Jalen Hurts, 6,400. Facing the, the Giants. I mean, the Giants are just so bad everywhere. Hurts could really just run all over them. Hopefully the ankle is healthy. We'll find out tonight kind of how healthy the ankle is. Russ Will Wilson, 6,100 versus Chicago. Russ is just so disrespected with these price tags. The 30-point the Russ game was going to happen at some point before the year ends. Just you wait. And then another one. This might be my, now I won't say co-favorite with Stafford. Stafford at 6,700 is a little better, but Joe Burrow at 5,900 against all the, the backup third string, fourth string Baltimore players. For the secondary, 5,900 for Burrow is very good. And then my other, I think this is the three-way, the, the three-way, we'll just call it a three-way tie. Stafford at 6,700, Burrow at 5,900, and then Justin Fields at 5,200 at Seattle. Fields is a full-blown Konami quarterback. He has a high floor and a high ceiling at this point with how much he's running and how they're finally starting to open up the pass offense. On FanDuel, Mahomes is at the top, 8,700. We're going to skip him. I like the Baltimore guys. FanDuel, as you probably know by now, no bonuses for 300 passing yards, which means it slants more heavily towards the mobile quarterbacks. Also, unlike on DraftKings FanDuel, the quarterback pricing is all very condensed. So the most expensive and least expensive quarterbacks are very close together in price on FanDuel. They incentivize you to play the expensive quarterbacks. Lamar, 7,800. Huntley, 7,500 at the Bengals. Both of these quarterbacks are designed for FanDuel. And then I like Russ, 7,500 versus the Bears. All right, running back. DraftKings at the top is Dalvin Cook, 8,300 versus the Rams. I believe he had uh, 30 touches in yesterday's game against the Bears. They're going to feed the man. He could be really just the only true difference maker at running back this week, 8,300. Yeah, I think he's going to play at this point, assuming he plays Eckler at 8,100 at Houston. Another very solid play. Najee, 7,400 at Kansas City is interesting. Cordell Patterson's only 6,700 versus Detroit. Uh, hello, Saquon, 6,500 at Philly. I know Devontae Booker outproduced him in the run game this past Sunday, but Saquon still had 15 carries and 8 targets. 6,500 
hard to ignore that usage. As I mentioned earlier, Swift, supposedly, he's going to be practicing this week. If he plays, he's 6,300 at Atlanta. I like that a lot. Uh, We've got Josh Jacobs, 6,000 versus Denver. He is very involved in the pass game. He's their goal line back. Uh, not, not, not a guy I'm really pounding the table for, but I think you should have a little Josh Jacobs if you're making a lot of entries for DFS. I really like James Robinson. He's probably going to be just the chalk of the chalk. 5,900 at the Jets. Carlos Hyde's on IR this past week without Urban Meyer. 18 carries, 6 targets for Robinson. 5,900 at the Jets. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, 5,800 versus Pittsburgh. I mean, if Hill and Kelsey are out, like someone's going to have to get targeted by Mahomes. Maybe it's CEH at 5,800. Another guy that's probably going to be kind of chalky, Montgomery, 5,700 at Seattle. The past four games for David Montgomery, he's averaging almost 17 carries, over six targets, five and a half catches, and 95 yards a game. Elite super bell cow usage for Montgomery. We got Miles Sanders, 5,600 versus the Giants. So he's, they had the week 14 by, they're playing in an hour after I record this podcast. So we'll see what happens. But his last game, week 13, he had 23 carries and three targets versus the Jets. He didn't score a touchdown, still no touchdowns on the season, but he surpassed 20 fantasy points on DraftKings. We'll see how he does tonight within the next hour on Tuesday Night Football. I like Rashad Penny, nice cheaper running back, 5,500 versus the Bears, but the heaviest absolute heaviest chalk going to be one of the most popular running back plays of the season is Ronald Jones at 5,100 at Carolina Fournette won't play. Most likely you're basically getting the starting running back and maybe the best offense in football at 5,100. Very hard to say no to Ronald Jones. The other two Detroit running backs, if Swift doesn't play are interesting, Jamal Williams, 5,000 and Craig Reynolds, new bell cow, Craig Reynolds, believe he had 26 carries this past week against the Cardinals, 4,500. So they're facing Atlanta. Atlanta's a really bad defense. They're bad against the run. They're bad against the pass. These guys could both have good days if Swift doesn't play. And then last, you want one more kind of budget running back? Amir Abdullah, 4,500 versus Tampa Bay. And he might be pretty heavily used in a pass-catching role. He did have over 15 fantasy points last week against Buffalo. Kind of what I mentioned on the big tilt. I said, hey, if you want to run it back and you stack Josh Allen... Abdullah's a decent one because we know he's going to get some targets when they're trailing. Sure enough, he got targets when they were trailing. He got the end zone or the, the, the red zone target and he scored. Moving on to FanDuel. At running back, we have Eckler at the top, 9,400 at Houston. And then the two, there's just two really, really strong looking options at running back right now, both inexpensive. Rashad Penny, 6,100. And then Ronald Jones, only 5,400. Moving on to receiver. We have Cooper Cup at the top of DraftKings, 9,100 at the Vikings. One of the, the few worst defenses against receivers. Gotta love Cooper Cup. He's expensive. Hopefully people don't play him. I'm going to play him. The floor and ceiling are both astronomical. And same with Justin Jefferson. No, Maybe no receiver has a higher ceiling right now than Justin Jefferson. If he can potentially get 15 plus targets at a high dot from an accurate quarterback in Kirk Cousins. He's 8,100 versus the Rams. Jalen Ramsey does not shadow. That is good news for Jefferson. I really like T. Higgins, 6,200 versus Baltimore. Russell Gage, 5,900 versus Detroit. Russell Gage, wow. He's had between 18 and 26 fantasy points 
three of the past four weeks. And then Amon Ross, St. Brown at 5,600 at Atlanta. 12, 12, 11 targets the past three games. Keep playing Amon Ross, St. Brown. I don't care if he's on the Lions. I don't even care if Goff is his quarterback or not. No Swift, no Hawkinson. The security blanket for this team on offense is Amon Ross, St. Brown. Odell Beckham Jr. just continues to be mispriced. 5,300 at Minnesota. And then the most mispriced wide receiver of the entire season is Antonio Brown. He's 4,900 at Carolina. No Mike Evans. No Chris Godwin. Sub 5K. You, I mean, in tournaments, Antonio Brown's probably going to be in over half of lineups. Let's be honest. And I think he is very good chalk. Usually I say fade the cheap chalk wide receiver, except in the case of Antonio Brown, he's just different. If he was 7K, if he was even 8,000, I would be playing Antonio Brown at 8,000 on DraftKings. He's 4,900. Probably getting double digit targets from Tom Brady. I think he's going to smash. Probably going to break the slate. It's going to be kind of annoying in some fact, some some ways that the like a top three to top five projecting receiver on the week is going to be priced at only 4,900. Josh Reynolds is actually kind of interesting. He's been playing pretty well. 4,600 at Atlanta. If Perriman returns from COVID, he's 4,200. And then Tyler Johnson will be the number two or number three receiver for Tampa Bay at 3,900. Especially if Perriman misses due to COVID. 3,900 Tyler Johnson could be interesting. He did have seven targets against the Saints. So there is potential there for him. Cheaper options. Laquan Treadwell's 3,500 at the Jets. The past four games, Treadwell's averaging seven targets, four and a half catches, 60 receiving yards, which is over 10 PPR points per game based only on usage. 3,500. Mikkel Hardman, 3,500. Byron Pringle, 3,300. Probably pretty chalky, but I mean, if no Tyreek, no Kelsey, and you need to save money, those are two options as well. So if for some reason they are not heavily played, throw in some Hardman or Pringle and cross your fingers. On FanDuel, Cooper Cup's at the top. At, oh my God. This is like a Christian McCaffrey or Derrick Henry price. Cooper Cup is 9,800 at Minnesota. Whew. Justin Jefferson, 8,400 versus the Rams. One nice thing about FanDuel with 60,000 in salary to operate with, you can actually fit Cup and Jefferson into your lineup. And then, just like I alluded to on DraftKings, Antonio Brown, 7K on FanDuel, smash play. 4,900 on DraftKings, smash play. 7,000 on FanDuel, smash play. Antonio Brown is just one of the best plays of the year based on his projection. And it's Tom Brady with no Evans and no Godwin and no Fournette to soak up a ton of targets out of the backfield. Two cheap options on FanDuel. Gabe Davis, 5,300 at New England. He's so cheap on FanDuel. Just needs a touchdown to get there. And then Pringle and Hardman are both 5,200. At tight end, Kelsey's at the top on DraftKings, 7,300. He has COVID. We'll see what happens. Doesn't matter. We've got another guy at the top I like, Mark Andrews, 7K at Cincinnati. He's not the tight end one on the season. He's just, just a total beast. Mark Andrews, what a guy. Also Gronk, 6,200 at Carolina. Another good price. He's priced up, which is good. Hopefully people don't want to play 6,200 Gronk, even though there's no Evans or Godwin. I also like Kyle Pitts, 5,800 versus Detroit. Dallas Goddard, 5,100 versus the Giants. A few strong, expensive tight ends. If we go cheaper, I like Evan Engram. Evan Engram. Yep. Evan Engram, 3,400 at Philly. The stone worst defense against tight ends, and Sterling Shepard just tore his Achilles. The targets have to go somewhere. Why not Evan Engram? 
On a similar note, the, the cheap tight end that's going to see all the targets, Cole Komet at Seattle is 3,300. He's averaged eight targets a game the past four weeks. If you want to go even cheaper, the legitimate lowest price for a tight end on DraftKings is 2,500. That is Brevin Jordan against the Chargers, who struggle against tight ends. Brevin Jordan had a hand injury. He didn't practice on Friday last week. He was active on game day, but he didn't play. But in week 14, he had seven targets and a touchdown. Brevin Jordan could sneakily get you 10 to 15 fantasy points at only 2,500 this week. He's a rookie. They're clearly getting him more involved each week when healthy. I expect him to be back and starting this week on FanDuel. Mark Andrews is at the top, 8,000. If Kelsey plays, 7,800. Both good prices. Gronk, 6,700 on FanDuel. So a slightly better price on FanDuel, but play Gronk both places. I like Dallas Goddard. He's only 5,900. And then a cheaper tight end that I like on FanDuel would be Foster Moreau. He's 5,200. Finally looked like Darren Waller again in week 15 against Cleveland. He had nine targets, seven catches, 65 yards. If he gets a touchdown, man, he could really smash on FanDuel. If we go to the defense special teams, my favorite part of the show, the Buccaneers defense facing Carolina on the road. The Buccaneers defense 4,100. It's a fine play. But I think we can go cheaper. I like the Jets and the Jaguars defenses who face each other at 2,700. And I like the Lions and Falcons defenses who also face each other at 2,600. But we can go cheaper. The Panthers, they are only 2,300 versus Tampa Bay. Four sacks and an interception against Buffalo last week. And they only allowed 193 net passing yards, which is basically passing yards minus sack yards. And get this, the Panthers have allowed under 205 net passing yards the past eight weeks. Tom Brady is in a world of trouble. Going to play him in DFS because you know the ceiling game can always come. But if you're a, if you're in a cash game, uh, probably don't want to play Brady because the Panthers have been good against quarterbacks. So for DFS, going to have some Brady double stacks. Also going to have a lot of the Panthers defense at 2,300. On FanDuel, Eagles versus the the Giants. The Eagles defense, 5K. They're at the top, facing either Mike Glennon or Jake Fromm, whoever it is. So Eagles, solid play on both platforms if you want some ceiling out of your defense, potentially. But I like some of the budget defenses. We've got the Bengals, 3,500 versus Baltimore. We have the Panthers, only 3,300 versus Tampa Bay. But there is one more budget defense on FanDuel. They're priced up on DraftKings, very cheap on FanDuel. It's the Steelers at 3,200 at Kansas City. If Kelsey and Tyreek Hill don't play, nearly the minimum possible price for a defense on FanDuel, you can get the Steelers facing Mahomes in a bag of bones. Oh, let's play some Steelers, am I right? All right, I'm going to get you out of here. You want my hot take for the week? This is a bold one. Probably my boldest call of the season. In week 16, on the main slate, all 11 games. Out of all 11, none will be postponed. (laughs) Honestly, how do I get away with a hot take like that? I think the audience deserves better. My my hot take is that uh, I I talk all the time about how you should fade the, the chalk, cheap wide receivers, and that just wide receivers in general are volatile. So if you want a real hot take, just play Antonio Brown, no matter how many people play Antonio Brown. I really think the guy is going to drop a 30 burger. So there you go. Antonio Brown, 30 fantasy points this week. 
4,900 on DraftKings. Disrespectful. 